Just what you've been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen. Two old, embittered flesh agents who lived through the heyday of vaudeville and its poor farm cousin, Burlesque, which fell into pornographic degeneracy by the 1970s. Here is a lesson in how each era of showbiz obliterates the previous one. Millennials, take note. Whatever your art form is, in music, video gaming, Snapchat, movies, you'll get to see younger people wave bye-bye to everything you hold sacred. The universe will zoom past everything you stand for, and everything you've built over a lifetime becomes obsolete. Irv Charnoff, who lived from 1911 to 1985, was a prominent theatrical agent. He saw the Variety Act go out, the Ventriloquist go out, the Magician go out. He seemed bitter about what happened to showbiz when pornography took over Times Square. I'm going to assume he had irritable bowel syndrome, which flared up when talking about it. In 1984, it was a new world, a new business, one that was leaving him behind. Let's go with it, please, huh? Okay, well, I was... Let's go with it, huh? Whatever's to be done. I wanted to ask you, um... Uh, start off just asking who you represented uh, today. It's, it's a different kind of show business today. There's no supper clubs, there's no acts left, except those that play the casinos, and I don't handle those. But you, you do handle Hyapatia and Raven, don't you? Oh, yeah, you're talking strippers now. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, fine, fine. Yeah, Hyapatia Lee, I, do, I don't handle her exclusively, but I represent her on many, many jobs. Uh-huh. Uh, Raven Delacroix, I handle on many jobs. Candy Samples. I imagine they're all pretty easy to book. Uh, they're no, not, uh, they're, not, they're not all that easy. There's different in prices. They're all all got different riders on them, like the Sammy Davis has. you got to bring them uh, 13 ice cubes in a bucket at a time, but if there's 14, he gets mad. You know, so there's nothing easy in this show business. Who's, who's the one who needs the ice buckets? Uh, Sammy Davis. Uh, oh, right. If you bring him in 14, he gets mad. you gotta just got to bring in... 13 cubes if you want 13 cubes yeah. you see you're dealing with with crazy people sure or temperamental it raven is, is, raven is. the same way high piece you the same way they're all insane why do you think that they're insane because of what they're doing and they're not in their right mind to begin with and yeah. the kind of work that they're doing there and they're not in their right mind they're not performers like milton burrow or henning youngman that that made sacrifices or disciplined themselves to try to get ahead, all they, all they do is show their body. You don't call that entertainment, do you? 
As we explained in episode 11, some of the most rollicking entertainment in Times Square involved the audience watching a person stricken with diarrhea at the New Amsterdam Theater. But that would have never gone over in the Borscht Belt. That old black magic that you weave so well I got those icy, icy fingers up and down my spine The same And before then you were... Uh, yeah, the variety field, you know, in the, in the theatrical uh, supper clubs or all over the country, you know, small towns, big towns, uh, where you had to... Uh, Jackie Vernons and Gabe yeah. Kaplan's and all, you know, Lee and London Lees and uh, whatever, Henny Youngman, Milton Berle. Those were different days. So you never represented burlesque stars back in, say, the 30s no. or 40s? No, 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 no. Uh, some of the nightclubs later on uh, required them, and I wouldn't I wouldn't deal with these girls. So when I got a call for a stripper, I would call one of these recognized friends of mine, Dave Cohn, who had been in the business maybe 30 years, that's all he knew. I see. And Eddie Kaplan and Sal Goodman. Sal Goodman was a great help to me when I first was forced to use these strippers. When they went out, the Variety Act went out, the Magician went out, the Ventriloquist went out. When the did Juggler. that happen, Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I in don't the know. the 1960s, maybe? In yeah. the 70s. And how did you start to feel when they were asking for strippers instead of uh, Variety Act? Well, I was in a business that I... that. Uh, I had to stay with it, so I, I called another agent up, one, two or three or four agents, and they, they, had, they had lists of girls, stables of girls, you know, that yeah. they were able to sell me. Those girls didn't show at their bottom at all. They all wore a G-string, yeah. and they used to flash. They were a different kind of stripper. They had continuity. They had the choreography. They had wardrobe. They had luggage. The girls today, they have a rug. And they take the, so you'll get a splinter in their ass when they spread. Yeah. Charnoff did represent a half dozen of the biggest strippers in the 1970s, but it wasn't by choice. So you were more of a, you were actually representing vaudevillians. That's correct. That, that was my whole main income was the theaters, small theaters, larger theaters, but variety acts for supper clubs and theaters. When some of my nightclubs started to change over. I didn't know one stripper from another, and I still don't, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm not interested in them. Yeah. And to this day, I don't deal too many with too many strippers. They're just the finer girls, the Candy Sample, that's honorable, Chesty Morgan, that's honorable, Raven Delacroix, that's honorable, High P. Shalee, that's honorable. I still would rather buy them off an agency rather than talk to them. You'd rather buy, say, buy them from an agency? Yes, yes, rather than talk to these girls because they're not reliable. Uh -huh. And I can always tell the owner, well, listen, I got the confirmation from so-and-so, he did his best. Uh, but the few that I do want to do business with are honorable. Yeah, sure. You see? How many do you do business with, or did you at your peak representing them? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, want, I don't want the, the government to know my business. Right. I don't want them to guess what my income was. I'm very careful and very cautious. The age-old question. How do you break it to the girls who are aging out? Well, that's it. You've got to tell them that they're asking for youth. That's all. They're not looking for professionalism. They're not looking for wardrobe. They want to look at skin. Have you ever had to do that? Well, sure. Everybody does. 
you recall an incident of any particular? No, no, no. I wouldn't want to. It was just sad enough. See, a boxer, he gets punch drunk, but uh, some of these girls, they feel that they're pretty and they're 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 vain and everything. So you you cop out. You just tell them the business is a little quiet or or that uh, whatever you try to a little white line not to hurt their feelings. Yeah. Where a lot of girls think they're they're jealous, they're envious, they're they're they're. They don't know why somebody else does better than them. And it's not an easy thing, but if you're sensitive and you don't want to hurt anybody, there's some agents that come out and says, go get lost, get yourself a job at Sears and Roebuck. Well, I couldn't do that. Get yourself a job at Sears and Roebuck. Well, even Sears and Roebuck is nearly out of business today. You were certainly representing strippers when you were in the Brill Building. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I didn't do hardly any business in New York. I never had any accounts in New York. So most of them would have been for New York girls that you represented who would work in New York. Who worked to tour, who were, were glad to tour. They were touring girls, traveling girls. Well, there's a lot of small cities, too, a lot of small cities that, that use these girls. What are some of the one, one, more unlikely cities? I don't know, Utica, New York. Uh, and they're so, and, uh, and, well, Boston is big, but in in New England, in Lawrence, Massachusetts, Lowell, Massachusetts, Worcester. Huh. See, I was going to ask you about uh, when LaGuardia outlawed burlesque in 1940, but you were a vaudevillian back then. That's right, that's so it right. It didn't affect you at all. But no, what, no. Maybe it did affect you somewhat, because the vaudeville theaters were... Was there a clear distinction between all vaudeville and burlesque theaters? What did they blend into each other? No, they didn't blend into each other. One was a family theater and the other was just for morons. I see. Did you ever go to any burlesque shows back then? Back in, the, say, the 30s? Not too, not too many. I didn't care for the, that type of entertainment. Oh. I didn't feel that uh, it was on par, on level with the people that I knew and the show business I knew. I went to the Roxy Theater, Low State, and the Capitol Theater, and Radio City, and... Uh, Paramount, that was my, and then of course I went to smaller houses, the Grand Opera House on 23rd Street, uh, many small theaters, that way you, you went in there at 7 o'clock and you, you, saw, uh, you, you saw a stage show at 8 and you left. Yeah. It was entirely different, it was a family audience then. So naturally your views on, on pornography now would be... Uh, I, I won't accept it, I, I apply myself to it, but I don't accept it, I just... I know there's a great change in the concept of the people that are living today. You put a pair of sneakers, we never saw a pair of sneakers in our life on anybody. Or a pair pair of jeans, blue jeans, whoever dressed that way. But, you know, some of the girls, like Hyapatia is a big porn star now. She's probably the biggest porn star in the world. Yes, true. But have you ever seen any of her films? No. You wouldn't be interested in seeing them? Well, I've not heard anybody. I'm not interested in that any more than anybody reads Screw Magazine. You're not interested in that? You've never uh, seen Screw? I know. Have you? Hamana, Hamana, Hamana. I was senior editor of Screw at that time. We're only talking about a dozen years here where you've been representing strippers. Correct. Yes, yes. Um, uh, Have you ever gotten attached to any of them or fallen for any of them? No, no, no. Yourself from no, no. I've been married to the same girl for 43 years. Mm-hmm. I, I, no girl ever attempted me. I had more work than any, any agent in the entire city and I never had, a, had girls tempt me, but I just wanted to leave the office. 
was not. It was a, it's a business with me. Sure. So in your office, um, in a typical day, say ten years ago or so, yeah, yeah. you probably had to had a lot of girls coming up to the office, and they had their press pictures, and you had a true, yeah, uh, forty to fifty to sixty a day. I had Tempest Storm, but not not when she was that big, you know. Uh-huh. I, I I I discouraged a, a girl because I didn't want to look at any nude pictures. It wasn't my type of show business. I. I had a different uh, basic training than they did. Mm-hmm. They didn't have my concept. What would they know about a Bob Hope or a, or, or, or a Mickey Rooney or whatever I booked? Or mm-hmm. a Jackie Vernon or things like that. That was not their bag. Do you miss that today? Well, uh, well, and, uh, and I, I know you can't change, you can't go back. I miss the, the honesty and integrity of the people who that, that took themselves serious and were dedicated to their business if it was a trained dancer or a comic would sit up nights studying research work going to a library trying to to advance make uh, make all sorts of sacrifices but there was a there was a there was a goal to to, to reach today it's a different thing four letter words became uh, funny well because people were different people had respect the whole world is a, deteriorated Magazines, the whole thing is deteriorated. That's what the, that's what the society is. They're sick, and that's the way they want to live. Let them live that way. How did you feel about Times Square right right when you were leaving? What had happened there? Well, how did you notice the? How did it affect you? The deterioration of the area. Well, I was sorry to see it. I mean, when you had George White, when you had Flo Ziegfeld Titters, and uh, it went down to. Uh, the people that went in there j- just to pass the time uh, and play with themselves, what would you say? Yeah. They went inside to play with themselves instead on the street. Yeah. But uh, that was all beautiful theaters at one time, but then the pictures were nice too, then even those got worse. But uh, listen, I'm not bitter, it's just that I, 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 I don't like to talk about things like this but my heart was never in it. I was always in the in the vaudeville world as a family trade. It took uh, Fred Allen, it took uh, uh, Jack Benny, it took uh, so many people like that to put over an industry. It was a profession. It was something to be proud of, to be an entertainer, and uh, uh, it just all changed. Irv Charnoff was not Harvey Weinstein. I'm not a prude. I know what's going on, but I feel that, that I, I led a clean life. I don't expect everybody else to. Uh, I was very devoted to my wife and my family and my children and my mother, and I was in a business that uh, led me a little, could lead me a little astray, but uh, you didn't have the, the cocaine going on then. The girls that make $3,000 a week, they put it up their nose. What kind of a thing is that? How could it lead you astray in the old days? But the girls, some temptation for the work that I had to offer. They felt they had to lay down on the couch to get to work. Most agents chased. I didn't chase. Did Jess Mack, was he, was he more like that? Did he no, man, he was a family man. Jess Mack is pure. He's, he's, the, he's the nicest, the most decent man. I pattern myself after him. He didn't chase anybody, never would. What about that idea of bringing old-time burlesque back to Times Square, like Ann Corio tried? You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to put an icebox in your house, would you? You wouldn't throw away the picture there. 
and put an ice box in your house, would you, in the kitchen? Uh, huh? No. Well, that's what it would amount to. People don't want it. They just want it. They, they, they don't want it. They don't want the dialogue that's good. They don't, they're, they're not looking for this. For dialogue, they're looking for women. I would wine and dine your bra. Dine at eight in your boudoir. There'd be nothing more entrancing to go out dime a dancing. With me? Not quite my love. I mean your shoes, perhaps your glove. I'm so Your Brazil would enhance my film career. Take a swan dive in your hamper, make me such a happy camper. My clothes, you're catching on. Oh. Yes, me a more. Oh. Your pinafore oh. is it spoken for? Oh. But most of all, let me die in Angora. Jess Mack was a burlesque straight man on 42nd Street in the 1920s. They came out in teams, a comic and a straight man. Everyone remembers the most famous team, Abbott and Costello, but there were hundreds of such teams. Usually a scheming rogue straight man and his dunce, who usually outsmarted the straight man. Fat and skinny, or tall and short, they played opposites. Add a hot tomato chorus girl to the mix. And that became the birth of burlesque. Playing to America's working man, the girls stripped down to pasties and a G-string, and eventually surpassed the comics. Even great comics couldn't outshine tits and ass. But it was still the bottom rung of showbiz, the poor farm of the theater. Jess Mack transitioned from the stage to becoming a stripper's agent at the Paramount building in Times Square by the early 1950s. He was headquartered in Las Vegas when I spoke to him in 1984. It was a far cry from the squirting seltzer bottles he was spritzed with on stages of 42nd Street in the 1920s. I'm going to also assume that he too had irritable bowel syndrome. In the business, long before I was an agent, I was a straight man in Berlin. Oh, really? Oh, sure. Where did you work in New York? Uh, every place. Every place. All the vaudeville theaters? No, burlesque we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah. We're talking about 42nd Street. Well, I was talking about the Irving Place on 14th Street and for the Apollo on 42nd Street, which I opened, and across the street was the Eltons, and up the street was the Republic, Minsky's. Uh, and That's what, all on 42nd Street. What year did you start working as a straight man? 1924. And when did you become an agent? In uh, about 30 years later. This is my 60th year in this business. I myself was a performer. I was a straight man. I was on the road. I traveled all over the country. I played every burlesque theater from coast to coast more than once, maybe 10, 15 times. I was with the USO shows. I've been to the South Pacific, to Japan, to Korea, all through the Philippine Islands. And then when Berlin started to die out and start seeing its last days, that's when I became an agent. Mayor LaGuardia, influenced by Monsignor McCaffrey of Holy Cross Church in Times Square, whom we covered in Episode 8, outlawed burlesque in New York in 1937. I found one film credit for Jess Mack. 
Hats and Dogs in 1938, with Minsky's burlesque stars Rags Ragland and Joey Fay. Wanna be a burlesque comic? It's basic training for you to take a punch. You gotta roll your eyes and make a funny face and do a take and holler. This must be the place if you wanna be the top banana. That was Phil Silvers, by the way. The New York band didn't stop these men and the thousands of performers who worked in burlesque. There was 80 theaters in the country besides New York. So that didn't affect your work? Oh, no. People lived. There was playing 80, 80 burlesque theaters from coast to coast. How many are there now? None. Practically none. Well, now they just work out of porn theaters, I guess. Oh, I had an office in New York at 51st, right the Paramount Building on 1501. Yeah, I was in the Paramount Building, then later moved up to 51st and Broadway. And then from there, I had moved to Vegas, and I had a branch office in California, which I still have, in Hollywood. Can you tell me who, who you represented over the years, uh, especially I, in the old days? Some of the stars that you have right now, Tempest Storm and Ann Corio, and those people. Did you ever represent Gypsy Rose Lee? Or no, but I worked with her a long time at the Irving Place Theater downtown, uh-huh. and we opened the Apollo Theater on, on 42nd Street. The Minsky's was very good at the Republic. But when the Apollo opened, then we, we had the best show there, and that, that consisted, we had three comedians, and we had Gypsy Rose Lee and Georgia Southern. They were our feature attractions, plus 16 chorus girls in line, three comedians, three straight men, a vaudeville act, and see, you don't see that now. There's no burlesque. Now they have what they call striparama, strip, 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 that's all. It's just come down to just taking off clothes. That's all. So that's not burlesque. When you took away the when you took away the chorus girls and the comedians, that was the backbone of burlesque. Yeah. And now this uh, stripping is not burlesque because we had burlesque long before we had stripping. Well, what are your views on pornography? Uh, the way the business. I don't made? care for it. it. It ruined burlesque. It put everybody out of work. So how can you enjoy something that uh, that hurts you financially and hurts your career and hurt everything? Um, don't you consider any of today's strippers to be uh, skilled at all? As yes, yes, there are. But you didn't mention strippers. You said porn stars. You're talking about porno, and I'm not talking about that because burlesque, some of the strippers here, we book strippers, and they're not porno stars. I don't book 42nd Street in New York. I book every other, I book coast to coast, I book Europe, and I book Asia, around Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong. Because I book Guam and Honolulu, I spoke to Guam today. Imagine, you're a blonde, blue-eyed majorette from Iowa, corn-fed with stars in your eyes. You make the break from your hometown with nothing but a suitcase full of dreams, and a desire to show the whole world what you've got. Twin talents, two of them. You can't wait to shake that moneymaker, and see your name in lights, and you land an appointment with... Jess Mack. Gee, Mr. Mack, do you think I can be a queen of burlesque? I don't, uh, I don't break in new strips. I don't. They come to me or they're recommended. And uh, there's no places, there's no schools or anything. 
most of them come to me are experienced, and we just don't deal with amateurs. We don't have any time for them. But you could tell when you look at a girl whether she's got it, whether she can... Oh, yes. I'm, uh, I'm quite sure you can look at a girl, and if she's, if she's well-built, if she's pretty, if she's young, if she's marked up, if she's had children, and who knows? I mean, it's, it's, it don't take me, you don't have to be a, a genius to recognize that. You can recognize an 18-year-old girl from a 38-year-old girl, I'm sure. Jess Mack created a newsstand quarterly called Cavalcade of Burlesque from 1951 to 1954. It featured hundreds of now-forgotten headline burlesque comedians, whom he called bladderbusters or top bananas, as well as hot strippers in their costumes. Few of these people transitioned into film or TV, and it's a sad fact of show business that their memories faded to black after the audience passed on to glory magazine called Cavalcade of Berlin, which it was a quarterly and it lasted three and a half years and wrote 13 issues. It was called Caval Cavalcade of Burlesque. You can see it in the New York, you go down to the New York Library. No one's ever come close to Corio and Gypsy Rose Lee because if they did, you'd probably see their name in lights. Or How do you tell an old stripper when she's through or when she becomes too old? When she can't get a job. Do you tell her that? No, some operator would tell her. I, I wouldn't have the nerve to tell anybody that. You've never I, had to do that? I've never had to. They know. When they can't get bookings, they know something's wrong. In the 21st century, burlesque has made a huge comeback around the world. But it's not about sex anymore. The performers do high camp comedy, which seems geared toward a millennial lesbian audience, not really for sex-starved working shows, hideous with drink. Those guys go to the titty bars, the gentlemen's clubs. Still, I think Irv Charnoff, Jess Mack, and the Minsky brothers would be proud to see their legacy continued in this vein. This is Josh Allen Friedman for Tales of Times Square, The Tapes. If you subscribe at blackcracker.fm, we'll send you four private mini-episodes after this podcast concludes. I'll see you next week on Old Broadway. Step by step, inch by inch, Niagara Falls. Slowly I turn. Niagara Falls. Slowly I turn. Inch by inch.